I'm thankful today that Gene and Mona Summers are with us. We haven't had anybody in since August, I don't think. Just been a rough, there ain't nobody can testify of the rough years 20 and 21 like the evangelist. It's been hard. But you know what? The man of God comes with the word today and a divine appointment today. Brother Gene, I believe you've got a divine appointment at Mag Church today. Come and preach to the people. Welcome, Brother Gene Summers, this morning. Well, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. My, my, my. I love going to church on Sunday. I've got to have church on Sunday. I really do. I just, I'm, I'm a, boy, I, I'm so glad that God saw me where I was. And uh, Don Brankle used to sing a song years ago, and Don Brankle is surely not a singer. He's proven that many times. And uh, the old elder, he's 91 years old. He's got a birthday coming in January. On January the 10th, he'll be 92. And uh, Brother Brankel used to sing a song, I'm so glad he let me in. And I'll just tell you, uh, I'm so glad that I got in. Backslidden preacher's kid, mad at God, mad at the church. I mean, you know, you can get mad at God and get mad at the church. I proved it, I'll tell you. People used to ask me all the time, so why preacher's kids so bad? I said, but they run with the board member's kids. Thank you for those looks. I'll tell you, I mean it. I, I tell you, but I was thinking about uh, me and my brothers. I've got two younger brothers, and uh, Russell is just 17 months behind me, and Brian, our baby brother, is eight years behind me. And uh, the reason there is a Brian is because there was a Gene and Russell, and Mom and Dad knew they could do better. I, uh, oh my goodness, from, uh, oh goodness, I, I, I was thinking about Ru me and Russell, you, did y'all remember playing Truth or Dare or stuff? You know, Russell dared me one time, and I, I'm, I, um, I dare tell you this, somebody will be trying it, but um, uh, you can sing Amazing Grace to the tune of the animals if you don't know the animals, they were back in the 50s and 60s, and they had a song, House of the Rising Sun, and it's about a house of era stupid. And uh, so, so uh, I, I got on stage on a Wednesday night, and uh, I played a little guitar in the day, and my brother Russell backed me up on the trumpet and playing House of the Rising Sun, and I sang Amazing Grace to it. You can try it when you get home. And boy, my mom and daddy looked at that, and they, but they didn't listen to uh, worldly music of any kind, so they certainly didn't know what I had done. And uh, so when I got through, Russell said, okay, what do you dare me to do? I said, while dad's preaching, I want you to get in the attic of this church and walk from one end to the other in the attic. And, oh, and sure enough, I was sitting, uh, worship was over with, and I was sitting on the back row, and, um, and I was sitting there, and sure enough, I heard him coming. I could hear 
those beams creaking as he's walking down through there, and Dad is doing his best to preach, and uh, and Russell got he got about even with my pew, and I thought that little goober made it, and 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 right behind me was the women's restroom, and he made that step from where the back row ended there over to the women's restroom, and he went through that ceiling and fell into a woman's lap who was sitting in the only place you could sit in the women's restroom. Thank you for those looks. And uh, I'll never remember seeing that woman again. Uh, but uh, being old Russell, we were always getting in trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. I, uh, I appreciate, Brandon, the, uh, the sacrifice this morning. I just, I, 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 uh, I would almost say I can't imagine, but I have been there. And uh, being a performer before I ever uh, got, uh, came back to the Lord, uh, that was just a no-no. You, you couldn't be responsible for singing in some night spot somewhere and have a bad voice. And you guys did a wonderful job this morning. Thanks for ushering in a the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I appreciate that so much. My, my, my. And boy, Neil, I didn't know you sang. My good, you got a low voice. You down there. That's good, man. Uh, I, I love this church. I think you know that. And uh, I, I, I haven't looked at my books to, to be exact, but I think I've been coming here nearly 15 years. And... Uh, Preached for the old elder that pastored, uh, and, and I think the building was out here, and a uh, little wooden building, little brick building, and, and uh, my goodness, that's been so many years ago. Um, I don't miss the, the old evangelist quarters out here where you had to run across the hall in your skivvies to get to, thank you for those looks, that's nice. Yeah, had to guard the door. I think the shower, was it not in the women's restroom? Well, I've been in it. There you are. Well, I'll tell you. Well, I, I uh, appreciate Pastor. We, we, we got canceled last year because of COVID. And uh, my goodness, haven't we lost some, some dear people in our lives from this, this horrible thing? And yet... You know, we're still here. I was listening to a song Michael uh, W. Smith did this morning, and, and, uh, and uh, boy, it was a, it was a pre precious song and uh, talking about the Lord was holy, and, and he, he got to talking about how COVID had taken some of his dearest friends, and he said, yet, we're still here. And, boy, God's got a purpose for our lives, does he not? And I just thank him. I, I don't know where this thing goes, but I do know this. For our lives, they, our roads eventually turn into gold, and that's, that's sweet to know. I, I want to, if you're new or you haven't seen Mona and I, this is my first wife, Mona. And, uh, and uh, we've been married, um, let's see, June was 47 years. And uh, my goodness, no telling who she could have married, but I know I married up. <laughs> and I, I, I do appreciate her. Uh, Joe Granberry, my mentor and tormentor in life, former superintendent in South Texas, used to tell people, say, you know why Mona 
follows Gene everywhere he goes. And folks would say, no, Brother Granberry, what for? Say, because she hates to have to kiss him goodbye. And I don't know that there's any truth to that, but, but I do appreciate her traveling with me. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I, I want to I get to this. Um, I'm going to put my watch up here so that I can glance across it and give, you know, make you think that I'm paying attention. And uh, I think it's, is that 20 after 11? Oh, it's, yeah, uh, 15 minutes after 11. If you're taking medication, you need to do that. Well, you go right ahead. But I want us to turn to First Chronicles, the 20th chapter, and verse 4, we'll read through that 8th verse, and just hold that spot, and then we'll go to 2 Samuel 21. I, I won't leave you hanging on this. I'll come back and pick you up on this so you can read with us. Got a message, and, and please don't miss tonight. There's a message that pastor wanted me to preach to this congregation, and, uh, and, and I understand because it's a powerful message that deals with spiritual vision. And if you'll be back here this evening, uh, I promise you, uh, you'll be blessed with this. You definitely will be challenged. How many of you appreciate your lives challenged by the Word? The Word challenges me constantly. Amen. Brother McElroy, good to see you, pal. Amen pastored them, well, they said pastored, I think, back many years ago. First Chronicles 20 and 4. And it came to pass after this, after what? After David slew Goliath, that there arose war at Jazir with the Philistines, at which time Sibichai the Hushethite slew Sipei, that was of the children of the giant, and they were subdued. There was war again with the Philistines, and Elhanan, the son of Jair, slew Lami, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, whose spear staff was like a weaver's beam. And yet again there was war at Gath, where was a man of great stature, whose fingers and toes were four and twenty, six on each hand, six on each foot. And he also was the son of the giant. But when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, slew him. These were born unto the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Second Samuel 21, <coughs> begin with verse 15. Second Samuel 21 and 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibanab. <laughs> I'm sure that tomorrow all of you are going to rush to uh, the county courthouse so you can change your little grandson's name to Ishbibanab, which was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, or 25 pounds. He, being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zerai, uh, uh, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt no more 
go out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibichai the Hushethite slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan the son of Jehoragim, a, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Jephthite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him, and these four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Could we pray together? Father, I just thank you for the great opportunity that this pastor has given us to be able to minister in this pulpit today. I pray that not only that you would anoint these lips of clay that I might preach mighty oracles of God, but that you would also touch the ears of the people that they might hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I'd like to preface our remarks, not only for this service, but tonight's service, to remind you that I don't believe that the enemy, the devil himself, I don't believe he's fearful of my preaching. But I do know what he is fearful of. He is fearful of that you might recognize the anointing upon this message and begin to apply it to your lives when you leave here. And the devil, can just can't, he just cannot stand people that not only read the Word, but observe the Word and begin to experience the Word of God. I want to preach to you this morning, Goliath's got kids. I think you, re- I think you recognize that in my reading today. I, whenever I begin to read the Bible, I, I would submit to you that when people want to know where to start reading the Bible, many times I love to put them onto the New Testament. But then I get concerned about them starting up in Matthew 1 and 1. How many of you know what that is? It's the genealogies. Oh, my goodness. When I was a kid, they called them the begats. And if you need a nap, if you sincerely cannot go to sleep at night, Get the Matthew, the first chapter out and begin to read the genealogy. And I promise sleep will overwhelm you. It's wonderful. But I, whenever you read the, 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 what I read to you in, in history, in the Old Testament this morning, there are some people who would consider that maybe they're just footnotes. And yet I have to consider, are they really just footnotes Because, see, I've observed that God is a really good writer, and I have also observed that you and I as church members many times are poor readers because there is a message stuck in here that I believe is trying to get out to people today, that there are all of us who face giants. And in this day and age, we'd love to call them satanic attacks. How many of you understand what a satanic attack is? It's unscrupulous. It, it's, it's so wrongful to your life that the enemy attacks you in different places of your life that you never expected. 
when you relate back to David and Goliath, well, get aboard because uh, they, these guys that are sports writers every weekend, whenever they're talking college and uh, NFL football, I promise you they love to use the story of David and Goliath. There's a great team, and there's this little team that just uh, just doesn't have a, a way to get out of their own way, much less tackle or be able to throw the ball or be able to score uh, like the others. And yet somehow they, the people would love to say if they were an astronomer that the stars lined up or something happened and this little uh, David of a team overwhelms the Goliath. This world knows the story of David and Goliath. And if you were in a Sunday school class teaching about David and Goliath, it'd be wonderful for you to be able to uh, draw out who, who Goliath is, his, his height and how big his, his helmet is and how, what, what he was wearing, how long his sword was. There's some, they, this is a message for kids to ooh and ah about in Sunday school. But I'm telling you, whenever the giant falls and, and David severs his head, holds up that head, the Bible says Philistines ran for days to escape for the Israelites. And it would be neat to be able to walk out of that class and say, that's it, right? How many of you know it's, that's not it? Bible says in that fourth verse, there rose war at Jazir with the Philistines. And verse five says, and there was war again with the Philistines. Verse six says, and yet again there was war at Gath. And the last part of that sixth verse says, tells who the war was with. And he also was the son of the giant. How many of you felt like you met some Goliaths in your life? Well, I promise you, they're out there. And there's not just one or two of them. I want you to know that they have, they have not, they've not been to the collective bargaining table, but they, there's a collection of them that love to come against us. That a Goliath like you and I face is an intimidator, and he's imposing, and he's insulting. When David does come out to fight Goliath, you know the words that comes out of the giant's mouth and he says, am I a dog that you would send out a lad to face me instead of your best warrior? But really, you know what I know, that David, that David, this was not his giant. Uh, this, this giant belonged to Saul. It belonged to the armies of Israel. It didn't belong to David at all. But, but when David slew him, he gave a wonderful, a wonderful lesson for all of us today to let us know that many times if you're going to reach your place in Christendom, you're going to have to slay somebody else's giant before you can find your place in Christ. Come on. Or find your place in living for the Lord. There are people out there that can't slay their own giants. David took on the task and what a wonderful Bible story it made for us. But all of us know that's not where it stopped. It kept going and going because there's a reproductive thing going on with the Goliaths of that day and satanic attacks of this day. The enemy, all he wants to find is a weakness in your life. I didn't do much boxing. 
Now, I've, I've fought some. I don't remember winning any. I, uh, I know a guy told me, I thought he said stand up, and he was saying shut up. That would have been really good if my hearing would have been a little better. Because uh, I, that's why my nose hangs a hard right down my face, from this side anyway. It's amazing. I, I, uh, but boxers will tell you that, that all that they look for is a weakness in a man, whatever they're boxing and whether they're competing against one another. And the enemy himself, the devil, loves to look for weaknesses in your life. And, and I just tell you, there are people that, that try to live their lives as if the devil doesn't know anything about them. I want you to know that if the devil has been deceiving people since the Garden of Eden, then I promise you, he, he, uh, he was able to deceive your parents, your grandparents. I'll tell you, he's been doing this a long time, and you're no match for the enemy without Jesus in your life. And whenever I looked at this and saw, I, I, I know, how many of you have ever had a, an attack in your home, uh, in your marriage? Oh, nobody wants to admit that, do they? Well, I'll tell you, when Mona and I got married, woo! I think Johnny Cash and June Carter sang it. We got married in a fever. Never mind. My goodness. Yeah, there's a fan or two out here. I, I, uh, boy, when, when we got married, I, I, people ask me all the time, I said, my, what, y'all, why'd y'all get married so young? Well, she couldn't keep her hands off of me. Boy, I'll tell you, there's no takers in this crowd. You're not going for that at all, are you? I, I tell, I tell folks that Mona was 17 when we get married and these mamas meet me at the doors out there, say, shut your mouth. Boy, don't be telling our kids this. But we got married. I, I told her, I said, uh, I love you so much. And you got to know, we don't, we don't fight. Uh, we might have a conversation. You could hear a block or two. But we've never physically gone to blows. I, I just, I do. I love her so much. I told her, I told her when we got married, I said, I just, I'm just, I, I look at you and I'm just so thrilled that, that you were blind when we got married. I just, my goodness, I, I, it's such a joy to, to know that I was able to land such a beautiful girl and whoo, my goodness. I said, if you ever decide to leave me, where are we going? And I said, I guess, I guess if, if you ever leave me and run off and get remarried, I'll just have a husband-in-law. Now, there's some churches that didn't go over in. But I'm just telling you, I, I love this girl that much. And, and, and yet, boy, we've, uh, we, when we got married, how, how many of you remember how broke you were when you got married? Man, we were doing our best to beat the wolf of finance away from our door. And while we were doing all of that, a stork, flew right in our window. It was amazing how that happened. And these kids came along. And boy, I'll tell you, I, folks can't prepare you for that. You try to tell young people how to work their lives and, and maybe save some money. But I'll tell you, we spent everything we made. Love the way you're shouting now. 
The only to get where we're at today in recognizing what you elders should have been telling us long ago, that getting old is not for sissies. Man, we've got, we've had everything. Mona and her body, Uncle Arthur has moved in, arthritis. My goodness. Uh, I, for me, I've had knees repaired and, and, and for some reason I decided a couple of years ago to just step off of a very healthy ladder at about eight feet in the air and just shattered everything in my right foot. And, and oh, it's amazing what you can do to yourself over the years. I'm just telling you that whenever married life, I, I need to tell the young bucks here that if young guys, if you're not married yet, you need to know this. It is true that love is blind. But I also want to tell you that marriage is a real eye-opener. Huh. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. When we, I thought, man, this is a, a, what a blissful life. And how many of you folks have been married 50 years or better? Is there some folks looky here? Man, isn't that wonderful? And, and you talk to them and ask them if they've ever had it, it, the same conversations that Mona and I have had. It's, a, it's amazing what the enemy will try to do. On the other hand, I have said in my office when I was pastoring back, uh, I pastored for some 25 years and listened to the heartbreak of people that, and that would walk out on one another and, and destroy their families only to realize when they get down the road years later, I wish that we had been able to keep some things together. I know that's not always possible, but I am telling you that Mona and I have found out through our families and our brothers and, and, and our relatives that, that divorce is the curse that just keeps on giving. I want you to know there's always been a giant. There's always been a Goliath that loves to come against Christian people and in their marriages. Come against their homes and destroy what God has joined together. And the book says, let no man put asunder. And yet our judges stand in courtrooms over and over again, slamming a gavel that separates homes and children. I was standing at an elevator one day when I had just been to divorce court with a family that had an unfaithful parent and and, and had been abusive to their children. And, 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 and I remember standing there when the little boy ran out and the little boy wound up staying at my home for a while. And, 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 and he stood there at the door and he yelled at his daddy, Daddy, hurry, grab mama. She's about to get away. If you don't get her, we won't be able to take her home. Boy, I, my heart broke as we, we put that little boy on the elevator. And at night, I hear him sleeping in there in the little bed that we made him in our home and until the, some, some sanity was to come back into that family. And I heard him crying for his mama and his daddy at night. A baby just four or five years old didn't understand what was taking place. Don't tell me that there's not some Goliath, that there's not satanic attack that still takes place in this day and age. Finances, oh my goodness. Well, my, I said, Mona and I were just, we were brokering the Ten Commandments. We were so poor we couldn't pay attention. My goodness, and, 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 and yet, 
look where we're at today. We've, we've made it. We raised them kids. How, how many of you, anybody raised kids? Yeah. Any of you raised girls? Now, now I, I do want to pay attention. I got to pause just for a moment. How many of you ladies raised boys? Okay. Oh, my Lord. They say boys step on your toes and girls step on your heart. But uh, we didn't get boys until the grandsons came along. And that first grandson, Hunter, today is 21 or 22 years old. But when he was seven, he, he contracted that stuff. What is it? DDT? What was it called? ADHD. Same thing, isn't it? Poisonous. Man, he had that ADHD. And boy, I'll tell you, he come through our doors. We got a nice big oval glass in our front door. And he slammed it so hard, it almost fell out of the frame. And, and Mona yelled at him to quit what he was doing. And he ran and jumped on our dining table. There is a beautiful, it's not big, but a chandelier about that big around hanging over the dinner table. And he grabbed a hold of it like Tarzan, let out a yell, and flipped off of that table onto the floor, off of that chandelier, and run around, got on the stairs, and went up the stairs at our house, and got up on the banister rail, standing, balancing himself over 20 feet, I guess, over the living room floor, and he yelled at her, his nanny, Nanny, I'm on a jump, and she said, go ahead. If it doesn't kill you, I'll get you when you get to the floor. And Mona had had it up to here. It's amazing. Boy, but raising girls, my goodness. Woo! Did any of you practice tough love? You know, one of your kids is dating a, a goober. I think that's pretty descriptive. Says, I don't use foul language anymore. That's as good as I can get. Some, some no good bum came to the door of uh, the late great E.V. Hill, wonderful black gentleman that passed, was a Baptist minister, and he, he winds up having to preach his wife's funeral. We may never have this story if he had not told it on YouTube. And, and I was, I love to listen to the story. He said something came to the doe the other day to see my daughter, Novell. And he said, he looked at me, I opened the, the wood door and looked at him through the storm door, a screen door, if you would. And he said, uh, son, can I help you? He said, I'm here to see your daughter. He said, no, son, that ain't gonna happen. And he said, sir, she, she want, she'll want to see me. He said, son, let me tell you, her mama went to death's door to bring that baby into this world, and we have decided to give her to better than the likes of you. Is that good? He said, in a moment, Novell come running down the stairs, Daddy, Daddy, was that for me? He said, definitely not for you. And in this, while he's preaching his wife's funeral and telling this story on his daughter, who is, you know, a graduate from a, a, a very pronounced uh, 
a, a university with a law degree, and now he's preaching his wife's funeral, telling this story on her, and he begins to yell, you, you gotta make them up. You don't get racehorses out of mules. Mona and I tried that. Man, there was a guy that he just didn't match our family. He did. It certainly was not for our daughter, and, and we made them break up. Well, at least we thought we did. But if you haven't tried that tough love stuff, get you some of that. Boy, that is so much fun. It's so enlightening. It certainly makes for good stories. I went to the Barber's Hill football game. I've not been there long as a pastor in the Old River community, and I prayed over the football game. How do you pray over people running into one another? I don't know, but I know when I got through with that ball game, I come home, and there is a dear dad letter, not dear John, dear dad letter that is a mirror in the house, and I ran, went over and read it, and, and my daughter has run away from home. Any, anybody ever been through that? I just hate to be by myself. You know, I, I know you don't want to be too guilty, but my goodness, woo, my heart broke. Immediately, I, I get mad. I know where she's gone. She's just down the street from where Mona and I live in that little parsonage. She's just about a mile away. I'll, I'll just go down and check on her and get her. And Mona, I told Mona, I said, stay here. I don't want there to be any witnesses. Thank you for those looks. I appreciate that. Man, I got in that car and I eased up that driveway. And when I walked up on that man's porch, he, he, he walked up to a screen door and he's talking to me. And I, I, told, I knew that my daughter at least had been there. He said, well, she's been here, but uh, she's not here now. And boy, I began to talk to him more about making sure that she gets home and that they not give her a residence there, that she's still a minor. And, and boy, the more I talk to him, evidently my, my verbiage and probably my mannerisms must have changed because the man became a prophet real quick. Because in my mind, I saw myself reaching through that screen door and grabbing him by the throat. Thank you. They say that uh, confession is good for the soul and tough on the reputation. I, I, I just saw myself just tearing through that screen door. I was that mad. And he evidently read it and was a prophet. I didn't know that because he looked at me and said, Reverend, they always use that word, R-E-V. I told Mona, R-E-V in front of my name stands for rest, eat, and visit. Boy, the dude said, Reverend, do I need to call the Liberty County Sheriff? And at that moment, see, I didn't realize the spirit of where I had been raised in Channel View, Texas. I didn't know that spirit of being a redneck could get on you like that. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit came and disbanded all of that. And I felt that burden lift off of me. And, and I said, no, sir. You won't have to do that. And as I walked away, I said, your daughter has spent, your little 12-year-old daughter has spent many nights with my kids down there at the parsonage, and I just pray this never happens to you. 
And with that, a pastor didn't even spin a tire, got in that car of ours and eased out the driveway and went home and fell apart for 52 hours. You know, I remember on Saturday evening, uh, uh, Mona told me, she said, hey, uh, you sat here in the floor and grieved over this kid for uh, almost 24 hours now. Don't you know that you've got a church full of people tomorrow morning? They're going to want to hear something encouraging, and they're going through some things too. And, and boy, I, I didn't want to, but I began to walk across that, uh, that parking lot into the church and got my date's annotated Bible and got down under the altars and laid on that Bible. And while I was there, the Holy Spirit did visit with me, but I didn't feel like he was real kind to me. He booted me out from underneath that altar and said, don't you know that there are other people that just like you that are in foxholes tonight? You're not the only one that has ever had a kid run away from home. I, I, I remember gesturing to the Lord and telling him like Joshua at, uh, at, uh, the, uh, at Jordan out of its tide, I don't know what to do. How, how many of you have ever been there? I just, from this point, I, I've never, I mean, this kid's never been abused. I wish somebody'd tell me when it became illegal to slap a kid in the mouth. No, I never did her, but my parents in the 60s, that was a regular. I like the way you're shouting now. Man, did you know at our dinner table in the early 60s, you could sit there at the table, three boys, and we sit there and backtalk our mother at the table, and you could wake up over by the freezer. Huh? Where was CPS when I needed them? That would have been a great revelation. I. I, 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 kid never been hurt, mismanaged by us, always had her knees met and run away from home. Lord took me over to Mark, the fifth chapter. And I think I, you, I may have told you in years past this story, but I, it, it, I landed there. Jesus has just calmed the storm of their lives. And, and his, his uh, disciples are so thrilled with the calm water. Mark is the only one out of the four Gospels that records several verses later and said, and there were other little ships with him also. You're not the only one out here who's ever had a kid run away from home. You're not the only one that has gone through some disgusting things in your life. You're not the only one that has ever felt that you met the devil face to face and had a battle of your lifetime. I'm telling you, there are Goliaths out there and they have reproduced themselves and what they've done is begin to try to find more weaknesses in our lives. But I want you to know that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Come on. I believe that with all of my heart. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him shall I trust. These are been difficult times. Boy, in ministry, 
so many of you that the Lord has given things to do. I was telling Neil this morning, the last time I saw him here, he was in a sound room, but, but uh, now he's on the platform singing. Isn't it good that God is able to take our lives and shape us and mold us when you be, appear before him as clay in the hands of the potter, the master potter. That's what he does with our lives. We can't ever see it. We're looking years ago when I was in high school. Oh, I graduated in 1972. Soon be 50 years ago. And I should have got out in 71. But I love that seventh grade so much I went on through it again. And I, I remember Charles Dyer, our civics teacher, and taught us the Constitution the amendments to the Constitution that he made us, how many of y'all remember memorizing a bunch of that stuff? They wanted to make sure that we were true Americans. Boy, I, I, I'll never forget him standing in front of our, all of us seniors and saying, where are you men and women, you young men and women, where are you going to be in 20 years? 1972, in 20 years, 1992, I couldn't even imagine. There I am, 19 years of age, singing in a country band, opening for Johnny Lee over at the Nesadale Club in, in uh, Deer Park, Texas, and I can't see anything but possibly uh, stardom in my eyes. I, I thought I was headed for Nashville, and I was headed for hell. And he just asked me a question about what would I, was I going to look like in 1992, what a, what a change took place in my life. How that years ago I used to be in the night spot, but today I'm in the right spot. It's amazing what happened in that length of time. I would have told you I just knew that I would have been at the Grand Ole Opry. Well, I have been a couple of times, but I certainly, I certainly wasn't a performer. I'm just, you say, what are you talking about, Brother Gene? I'm talking about Goliath's got kids. Well, who was it uh, in the book of Job? Begin with that first two chapters of the book of Job. There was a day. There was a servant came. And there, the, keep reading, and there was another day. And another servant came. And how many of you know that it's not uh, riding up uh, of the mountain, just rough side of the mountain. It's trouble in the valley from the beginning. Over and over, one servant after another, day after day, winds blowing out the walls and killing his kids and taking down his flocks, his herds. I'm telling you, when you get to the end of the second chapter, that next to the last verse uh, talks about the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. The next verse says, I wasn't in a quiet place. I was not in a place of rest. And yet trouble came. And there's a bunch of us sitting here today that know what it's like whenever trouble and a Goliath, a satanic attack has sought us out, tried to find a weakness in our life and drive us to the bottom. And I've got news for you today that we're not just some little kicking post for the devil to whip around and take down. My God has decided to make us victorious if we will bet yet follow him. He says right here, if not shout by now, turn the page. 
Ich bin benab. Saf, Sipiah. The fourth one is not named, but what an ugly dude he must have been. With 24 toes and, and, tw and fingers. Come on. Six on each hand, six on each foot. And the Bible says that God not, didn't let David kill this giant. That there were men that got in between. I don't know if David looked like he was losing the battle, but this is the place in David's life where his men told him, you will not go out and fight these battles anymore. There's got to come a time in mind in your life that we live in such a wonderful realm of humbleness and humility where we recognize that there are some young people that need to step into this thing and be able to call God down at a mo moment's notice to bring fire upon a situation. There was a day you used to be on fire for God. There was a day you were gifted with the gifts of the Spirit and the boldness of the Spirit. But the enemy of our souls, the washing of water of time, has done his best to cool us down and to take us to the bottom. I've got news for you. That Goliath has got to be slain in this church as he's slain in others. If something rises up, and a, a Goliath rises up in the youth department, somebody's got to rise up against and, and slay that Goliath. Come on. If there's a Goliath that raises up on this platform among these worshipers, Brandon, somebody has got to be bold enough to slay that giant. Somebody in this church that sees necessary needs that are in the church and they need to be met instead of grumbling and complaining, run down the hall to pastor's office and say, give me the biggest giant in this place. If it's that junior boys class, I'll do it. Just wanted to see if there's any takers. The enemy wants to take you down any way that he can take you down. And it's one after another that come against you, come against your finances. Ah, the enemy loves to come against every facet of our life. Your health. Why, why didn't y'all tell us to take better care of ourselves? Some of you seniors, you might as well tell these kids, my goodness, you know how, you know when people started telling me to save my money? Probably my first job. I went to work for, for Flukinger's little grocery market on, on Market Street. I was 14 years old, and, and, and they were paying me 75 cents an hour. And my grandfather, who at that time was in his 60s, began to tell me how that I needed to start saving money. I'll just tell you, I wish I would have thought about it that early in life and done so. I, I want you to know all along the way, there's always been a Goliath looking over our shoulder, a satanic attack wanting to take place in our life and come, overwhelm us and come over us. I got to tell you, my daughter did come home. I'll never forget that. Have I got just a minute? 11.54, you hungry? I am. I haven't been this hungry but twice in my life, and this is both times. I'll never forget. Liberty County Sheriff called me on Monday morning.
I don't know how I got through the weekend. It was tough. Honestly, I, I think about it today. I, I lost my dad earlier this year in, in February, not coronavirus, but dad was 89 years old. And that's why it was so important last night at the restaurant to meet that elder. They were singing happy birthday to him. He was 96 years old. I just had to go over and shake his hand and thought what a blessing it's been to his family. I miss my dad. But I don't remember a hurt like what my oldest daughter put us through. That what, what I didn't realize is in life, many times when they come home, they bring a lot more with them. I remember some years later, Aunt Reagan, our oldest granddaughter, she I guess she was about 12 years old. See, my welding buddies and my pipe fitting buddies in construction work used to tell me, you're always out here bragging on them two little toddler girls of yours, and that's fine, but you need to know something, young preacher boy. When they turn 12, peach their heads off. I said, well, I don't believe I can get away with that, so we let them live. Now Reagan is 12 years old. She's at my house. She's not having a really good day. My daughter, when she was 12 years old, y'all remember the word that was as bad as a cuss word? I know it's supposed to be cursed, but we're in East Texas, right? And it was that word, whatever. Oh, look at these parents. You're on board with me. That's good. Uh, my, my daughter could say whatever, which she did. She was sticking the dagger in, and at the end of it, she was twisting it when she said whatever. She could gnarl her face and give you the ugliest whatever. And she was, it meant she wasn't a happy camper. But Reagan, I told her, I said, you get over and get on that telephone and you call your mama and let her come get you. You're not doing good here. Okay, Papa. She got over there on the telephone, called her mama. And I can hear her mama talking and working her over. I mean, she's telling, giving Reagan the what for. And man, about that time, I looked at my oldest little granddaughter at 12 years old and her face began to contort and began to twist. And I thought, well, it doesn't look like satanic attack or, and you know, she's not a Satanist, so let's see what comes out. And she looked in that telephone and she said, whatever. And when she did, I started yelling, there is a God. That God is on the throne. I, I know now that, boy, because I'm telling you, you talk my, about my daughter get, getting what she deserved. And I heard her yelling on the other line, shut up, daddy. <laughs> what are you saying, Brother Gene? I'm just saying, I'll tell you, the enemy does like to come in like a flood. But the Spirit of the Lord comes in. You know, what, what we've got to be careful of, and, and come, Brandon, you know, when I, I may not quit, but you'll give them some hope. There, there's, there's these battles that we go through. They make us stronger. I can't, 
I, I haven't been what through what some of you have been through. I watched my daughter a few years ago go through a, a horrible divorce. You know, I, I don't, I can't answer. When grandkids get on the telephone and call you up, say, Papa, Papa, my Lord, please, Papa, come get us. Come get us. Oh, and begin to talk about who they hate in the relationship. Oh, don't don't say that, baby. Hold on. Just wait till the wait till the storm passes by and, and you can come over. Well that Lord, they live with me now. Should have kept my mouth shut. There's some things that will break your heart. I sat there weeping over a telephone on that Friday afternoon. October marked, I don't know how many years ago that it was. The destruction that happened to that side of our family was just so overwhelming. And my daughter, if she could stand here and testify to you today how God brought her through, she would she would tell you that she's probably never heard any more excruciating, painful words than I don't love you anymore. I'm a, I'm a fool for this girl. I, if she told me that, I wouldn't believe her. There's such pain. I can't imagine having a kid strung out on drugs and alcohol. I caught my youngest brother, Brian, one time spaced out on some drug. And when I found out it was that my other brother, Russell, that found it for him, I, I was livid. I wanted to fight. I'd been in pastoral ministry for many years. And so, I'll tell you, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that had got a hold of me. I was so angered and so mad. You know what we, you know what we Pentecostals are world's worst at? admitting that we ever have emotional struggles. Nobody in this church wants to admit that they've ever gone through depression before. I will tell you, I have. My mentor and tormentor, Joe Granberry, used to take me to his slave labor camp for the day off, I thought. And we'd build fence and work cows and take me to his farm and oh man one day after traveling together for several years and being best friends we were going up I-45 and he looked over and Mona and I at the time I was 32 years old and I was building a church out on the corner walk don't walk Garrett and C. King Parkway boy there were days I'd go out there and I'd watch that crane swing around and put the trusses up over the church. Woo, man, I'd get pumped, I'd get excited. And the next day I'd receive something in the mail that the, you know, the interim financing note was, uh, was due. And it was nine or $10,000 or maybe more. Woo, and I was thinking, oh my Lord, how am I going to pay? And man, I guess it all had come together I was riding up I-45, 
My mind was a million miles away. Brother Granberry interrupted my thought two or three different times. Gene, Gino, he called me. Hey, baby, you okay? Oh, oh yeah, Rev. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, Rev, I'm, whoo. He, then he stopped. He said, Gene, are, are you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, Rev. I, I'm just thinking about some things. And about where we exited on high, on, uh, to State Highway 19 that goes through Trinity and on up to Crockett. I'll never forget him looking over there and said, hey, Gene, baby, I, I'm just curious. Are you depressed? And boy, I clouded up and rained. I, my heart just broke within me. I, I began to flood. I caught my head in my hands and and, and I, I, he pulled that, that, that little GMC over, pickup over, and he laid his hand on me and started praying over me. And I sat there and wept. Can I tell you, there was healing that came into the cab of that truck and, and the Holy Spirit just brought the bomb of Gilead over my spirit and began to heal me. How, how many of you understand what I'm saying? My mother, whenever I was uh, uh, just from the time I was 18 months old till I was about five years old, I had muscular dystrophy and I was about to die and they had wrote me off at Texas Children's Hospital. They would have, back in the day, they would have loved to have this for their, their building downtown. It was just a little clinic back then in the, in the middle 50s. And I tell you, my mother was listening to me cry one night in that little apartment over in, in, uh, in, in, in Houston on old Harrisburg. She listened outside the door. She said, I was telling the Lord, Lord, I'm in such pain. She's already given me as much morphine as she could give me without taking me into eternity herself. And still it didn't touch the pain of my mangled legs in those steel stainless steel braces. And she stood there, and whenever I said, Lord, if you're not going to heal me, would you just please take me on to heaven tonight? And when I said that, she felt that old metallic taste at the back of her throat, and she knew that a nervous breakdown was coming on. And she said her little feet began to turn out from underneath her and her legs give way. And about she began to cry out to God, please God, please, please don't let me pass out here in this hallway. Please don't let me have a nervous breakdown. God, she began to plead to the Lord to help her. And about the time her little backside touched the floor of that old apartment there in Houston, she said she saw a light, a glow at the end of the hallway. There was no door there. And she looked, and it was the Lord himself who walked down that hallway and put his right hand upon her shoulder just as he had done for John on the island of Patmos. And he said, Joyce, don't be afraid. Woo! Two weeks later, the doctors declared me free from muscular dystrophy. I just got to tell you, he may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. 
It's been a long time, God. You say, well, you just had been where we've been. We lost the baby. We did too. We've been there. She told her doctor, she said, I can't let you take that dead baby out without my husband standing here. And I had to stand there and hold her hand while they removed that baby. Never got to name it, never got to hold it. Didn't have, didn't give it a proper burial. People ask me, say, well, Brother Gene, you're not mad at God over that? Are you kidding? I've already got somebody there, Heather. I've already got somebody there. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what you've been through, but I know this. My God shall take care of all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Stand with me. Hey, Mona, meet me right down here, baby. Sweet touch, sweet touch of God, sweet Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. Maybe you don't need a thing, but I promise you there's people here that say, I just can't, I just can't make it by myself. I, I've been praying, I've been seeking God. Seems like I take, uh, uh, you know, I take 20 or 30 steps forward, only get knocked back 100. I, I'm not doing good. I'm gonna pray for you. I didn't say you walked out on God. I, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you're not even mad at God. You just don't, you're at the place now. Jehoshaphat, in the battle of his life, looks into the heavens and says to the Lord, we don't know what to do. I'm just saying, if you're at that place, you're at the right place today. We will believe God with you. Can I pray over you? Father, right now, Spirit of God, begin to deal with hearts. Right now, Jesus, you know there's people here that need a touch from the Master's hand. I pray, Jesus, you, you would just touch them right now. Prepare their hearts for victory. Give them testimony of your miracle-working power. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, you're here and you say, Brother Gene, I need God's help. I just need him to touch me. Come on. I want to pray for you. I want you to come. Come on. Come on. I know this is people that knows about altars and knows about prayer. I just wanted, I just want to believe God with you. I, I, I'm not here to, to try to give you all of my wisdom. I'm here to pray for you, lay hands on you. And the Bible said, the sick shall recover. If you're struggling with, with regression or repression, depression, whatever, God wants to touch you. He wants to minister life to you. Sweet touch of heaven. Sweet Holy Ghost. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming. Somebody else. There are those of you that love to pray with people. I know you do. Spirit-filled, God-loving people that will come and stand behind folks and, and believe God with us while we pray. Would you, would you come and do that? Now stand with them and believe God with them. In Jesus' name. The rest of you, would you reach out your hand this direction and help us pray?
Hallelujah. Woo. He will my shield and portion me as long as life endures. Chains are gone. I've been set free. defeat the giants in their way. I just believe that with all of my heart. We can't be fearful to go forward. People were fearful to go into Canaan's land. Why? Because there were giants in the land. And Caleb is yelling, give me that mountain. Amen. Give me the biggest giant. I just believe God's made a way where there seems to be no way. I, I, I like serving that kind of God. Somebody said they read the end of the book and we win. Would you, would you please at times in life, if you know that, will you tell your face about it? I'm sorry. Mona and I, some people would say, Lord, Brother Gene, y'all been to hell and back. And that's true. We have, but sometimes, Pastor, I want to look back at the devil and say, is that all you got? Is that it? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. When my dad died, I ran in and threw myself across him. His body was still warm to the touch. I've never seen anybody grieve like my mama grieved when Mona and I were in that room, his dead body laying there. It all, almost felt bad when I left there and realized there's people lost their dads when they were just kids. No dad around mine. God let me have him 89 years. But I'm going to tell you something. People ask me, how many times have you been to his grave since he died? I hadn't been back. He's not there. Woo! His mama died when he was only four years old. And I just guarantee you, Zelda Brown was one of the ones that met him there at the gate. I just believe that. And he got to see his mama after not having her most of his life. I just, I just think God's got the best plan for you and I. You can't beat his finance plan. You can't outgive him and you can't outlive him. I'll just tell you, so serve him. And tonight, man, I, I wanna preach. I'll get this all right tonight. I promise you, pastor, come.
have our ushers this morning, we want to receive an offering for our speaker. Father, we just love you today for what you're doing and have done in hearts and lives this morning. Lord, that there's a there's been heavy burden, but there's a note of victory in the air today. And Lord, we thank you for it, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being in the house today. I believe there were breakthroughs this morning and changes. Burdens lifted. There's really no telling what's already happened in this service today and what will happen in the coming days. Come back tonight expecting, anticipating what God will do in your life. Tonight at 6 o'clock. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, and tell them that you love them. In Jesus' name.